11.30. Talking about this as we get back next week and lots of things that we have building up to this, but we let you know that even though we don't have the normal activities Wednesday night, the primary reason for that is because we want you to be involved. And so even if you're someone that you haven't been involved in Vacation Bible School before, that does not stop you being able and more than qualified to participate this year. So if you would let us know there's a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center, don't worry. If you're like, well, I'm not good in this area or that area, there's so many things that you can do to participate in Vacation Bible School. You can come and just be here for the kickoff as we're starting off at 6.30. We'll be in here with the kids 6.30 to 7 and have lots of activities going on all night, but you don't have to be here the entire time. Just know that if you want to be participating on any level, sign up. We can help work with you and get you plugged into a spot that is good for your gifting. So again, coming up, we got about a month or so to, to get ducks in a row, but thank you all so much for what you do for the kids. Uh, the other big sign-up sheet is back there for the 18th of, of July, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, baptism. If you would like to be baptized in water, there's several different ones that have already signed up, but I want you to know that even if you've been baptized way back and you're like, well, I have felt this call, I've, I've, I've renewed my life, there's something going on differently now than any time before, we would love for you to be water baptized. So that's coming up this month to be baptized in water, an opportunity. Step into the pool to proclaim your faith, what's happening inside in your life. Proclaim that to the world and to say, okay, this Sunday morning, I'm setting apart a time to say I am baptized and going to be counted as a believer in Jesus Christ. So a huge excitement to all of us uh, that are in the faith, and we want to celebrate with you. So again, baptisms, vacation Bible school, and finally, today is Mission Sunday. So I don't have a specific missionary to highlight this month, but just know that as this country stands as a beacon of hope, as a light upon the hill, there's so much that we're doing even for God's kingdom around the world. And as you sow this morning, know that you can specifically designate money as a part of the missions offering. If you're giving online or as the plate, as the plate passes, there are different ways to, to give to missions and to the general tithes and offerings this morning. So make sure you designate something for missions. You have you know, things that have gone on in India all this past year, but we have been faithful to support Moses Chowdhury in India. Uh, you have so many different missionaries. I, I'm thankful to be able to have uh, come to know the Fellowship Network has so many different missionary pockets and people that are in Honduras and, and look forward to meeting some of those people in person this week. Uh, but just know that through this church, international, local, national missions that are happening, and that's something that we constantly are a part of. So as you sow into that, you're just bolstering that and building that up all for his kingdom. So would you prepare your tithes and offerings in your hand if the ushers would come forward? Let's give honor to the Lord as we're setting our mind to give this morning to know that it's all out of liberty. No one's compelling you to give. No one is forcing your hand. But it's one of those things where, and as we'll go, and I'll teach the kids here shortly for Children's Church after the, the patriotic music that we'll have. So don't jump the gun. God's love can compel us, but that love is something that's not kind of a forcing love. It's when you understand that love so much to the level that you want to give, you want to share, you want to do the things that we're called to. It's not a compelling type of compulsion that is like a coercion. It's something that we can't help but decide within our hearts that this is what needs to be done. And so that's how God's love operates. And I pray that you would be of that mind and heart this morning as you pray with me for the offering. God, thank you, Lord, for your word. God, and thank you for how you call us to live out of your word, for your spirit to operate in your people. Lord, I pray with this morning, Lord, 
for our nation. I pray, Lord, for the world. God, I thank you, Lord, that as you have blessed this country, Lord, you have, God, provided so much for so many, God, for so long, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would, God, move this day, that you would multiply the seed that's being sown, Lord, God, this morning, God, into your great harvest, that you'd multiply it, God. God, nothing good is possible at all without you driving it and being a part of it. So I thank you, God, that you are active in our lives, Lord, and that you will multiply, Lord, this offering to your harvest for your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You ready? If Shine, see, be drawn down to 
pretty good for someone to just some years ago just could do this right here, just lift his finger. Couldn't talk, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't speak. You know, we're going to, listen, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord of our lives. He's Lord of this church. He's Lord. But we do come today to celebrate our independence. Aren't you, aren't you glad that we're free people? And we're going to celebrate our independence. And we know all of that is through and by Jesus Christ. We're what we are. Our nation is what we are simply because of what he provided for us. So we're going to sing a couple of songs and then maybe another song. And uh, we'll sing it. And if you will, stand, turn, shake hands with a neighbor. We're going to sing a song. But take a moment to greet someone, if you would. What are we singing? Remain standing as we sing. All right. My country is of the sweet land of liberty of the I see land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride from every mountain side, let freedom bring my native country, the land of the My country tis of thee, my country of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrims right from every Inside, let freedom ring. Remain standing as we sing another patriotic song. Amen. Let this be your prayer today. God bless America, land that I love. And beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above, from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans, white with foam. God bless America. 
Please, Father, this is our prayer. America's in trouble. We could take a lot of time talking about where we are spiritually, where we are financially, where we are, dear God. But Lord, you know, and all of us standing here today pray for this nation. We pray for our president. We pray, God, for his family. We pray, God, for those in the White House. We pray for our congressional leaders. We pray for our Supreme Court leaders. We pray for our state, our city. God bless America. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Matt's going to come in just a moment. But contrary to the contemporary mantra that America has birth or was birth as a secular nation, the historical evidence demonstrates that America was founded by Christians who wished to enjoy the liberty to freely express their Christian faith. America was founded, I'm sorry, America's founding fathers and the Bible briefly describe a portion of America's Christian heritage. Now you won't hear this at a secular crack gathering, but it is true, particularly during the rise of nationalism when America was shaping its national government. During the era, the founding fathers affirmed both the principles and practices, yes, of the Bible. America's founding fathers clearly intended to uh, uh, carry on the Christian faith in both private and public observances. They left a legacy of publicly honoring the principles of Christianity and fully intended that succeeding generations, God help it, of Americans should do the same. This is written by Christian Heritage Fellowship. Let's continue at some of the principles of the nation as Brother Matt comes. I want to read five quotes to you today. <clears throat> Bear with me. It won't take that long. The first comes out of the Declaration of Independence. And it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. I'm reading to you today out of a book which I've actually had for probably almost 20 years, and I highly recommend it to you. It's called The Light and the Glory, <clears throat> and it um, is an accurate depiction of the founding of this nation, <clears throat> and as Pastor has said, the principles on which it was founded. 
The second quote that I want to read to you is from John Adams, one of the founding fathers. And this was while the Congress was debating whether or not to declare independence, and if so, how to go about it. And John Adams said this, Before God, I believe the hour has come. My judgment approves this measure, and my whole heart is in it. All that I have, and all that I am, and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready here to stake upon it. And I leave off as I began, that live or die, survive or perish, I am for the declaration. It is my living sentiment, and by the blessing of God, it shall be my dying sentiment. Independence now, and independence forever. And then just after the Congress finally approved, they went through several different votes, lots of discussion, but once the vote was unanimous in favor of independence, with New York abstaining, for those of you who are history buffs, Samuel Adams said this, we have this day restored the sovereign, with a capital S, to whom alone men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven, and from the rising to the setting sun may his kingdom come. And then the fourth quote I want to read to you was in a letter that John Adams, who later became president, wrote to his wife Abigail. And he said about the day on which the declaration was approved, he said this, This day will be the most memorable in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. I guess he was prophetic. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. And again, he's writing to his wife. Clearly, people don't write this way today, but I think you get his point. You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is worth more than all the means. And then finally, the fifth quote that I want to read to you is actually from FDR, so a little more modern. This is what uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said about the Bible and its place in America's history. He said, in the formative days of the Republic, the directing influence the Bible exercised upon the fathers of the nation is conspicuously evident. This book continues to hold its unchallenged place as the most loved, the most quoted, and the most universally read and pondered of all the volumes which our libraries contain. We cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the Republic. I suggest a nationwide reading of the Holy Scriptures for a renewed and strengthening contact with those eternal truths and majestic principles which have inspired such measure of true greatness 
as this nation has achieved. There is no question that Christianity was part of the founding of this nation. And the songs that we sung and the songs that we sing mean so much. One of the songs that we're going to, a song that we're going to sing later is the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And let me tell you just a little bit about this song. Uh, before I do, I want to say this. Thank you for being here today. You could be out on the grill cooking a fine steak at this time, or maybe at the lake or the coast or the beach or wherever, but you chose to, came to come to church on the 4th of July. Now, I don't know that God will bless you any more than he will those on the coast because they're not out of God's will. We know that, but I'll tell you what, I do believe God will bless you. He'll, he'll richly bless you because you came today. The battle hymn of the Republic, also known as Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory, was written in 1861 by Julia Ward Howe, wife of Samuel Howe, a scholar in education for the blind. Both Julia and Samuel were active leaders in anti-slavery politics and strong supporters of the Union during the Civil War. So it's no surprise that the song is heavily associated with the Civil War. In the years since the war, however, it has become a staple in America patriotic music. While you may not find yourself singing it on the 4th of July, or may find yourself singing it, you probably don't know all there is to this inspiring song. And we're going to look at four things right here. It was a favorite of Walt Disney, among others. The battle hymn was said to be a favorite of Walt Disney so much that, so that it was played at the end of his private funeral in 1966. It was also one of Winston Churchill's favorite songs and was played at his state funeral at St. Paul's Cathedral. It has been performed at other memorial services, most notably the service at St. Paul's Cathedral for those lost at 9-11 and at the Requiem Mass for Bobby Kennedy and at Senator John McCain's funeral at Washington National Cathedral. It also was the opening lines and it was the last word spoken by Martin Luther King Jr. On April 3, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave a speech to support of sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee. He announced, I want you to know, listen to this, tonight that we are a people that will get to the promised land. He goes on to say, and I'm happy tonight, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. The next day, he was assassinated on the second floor of the Lauren Motel. Also speaking of this great song, Hal, which wrote the song, received $5 
for the poem. The Atlantic Monthly published the poem in February of 1862 and paid Julia Wardhouse $5. Note that some say it was actually $4. While that doesn't sound like a lot, it is actually uh, equivalent to $124.97 today. The publishers was also the one who gave the poem its title. In 1960, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir's recording rose to number 13 on the Hot 100, and it even won them a Grammy Award for Best Performance by a Vocal Group of Chorus. Now, what I did, I took this particular song, if you'll notice on your outline, and I hope you have an outline, very interesting. If you don't, raise your hand, and Brother Chip will make sure you get one. We want everyone to have an outline. The Battle Hymn of the Republic, or as some know it, Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory. One of the most popular patriotic anthems of all time, this song is often performed at the funerals of American soldiers, of American statesmen, presidential nominating conventions and inaugurations, and certainly at and during Independent Day church services and festivities. Julia Ward obviously wrote this hymn to show her faith in God during the Civil War. And we're going to look at not every stanza, but we're going to look at some of the stanzas. First of all, as we look at this song, it says in the first verse, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He had loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Now I'm here to tell you this morning, July the 4th, this is no uh, sermon to be preached in a seeker-friendly church because it's challenging. It's talking about war. And how many of you know the church is at war today? We are at war. And we need to understand that. That's the reason the Apostle Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand the, against the enemy. The grapes of wrath. Notice your outline. The wine press that is used in the Bible is a metaphor. Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 10 then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself also drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Now, we don't hear that much in church. You're talking about wrath. You're talking about fighting. You're talking about war, which is poured out full strength into the cup of indignation. He, that person, shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. The presence of the Lamb. And it will be poured out. Hell was created not for mankind, but certainly for Satan. 
We find in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, the Lord, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself, who? Jesus Christ, he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Vengeance is going to come. People think they can sin and shake their fist in the face of God and get by with it. You can't. God is a God of love. Amen? God is a God of mercy. He loves us. He is merciful to us. But one day, there will be payment for the penalty of sin. Amen? There will be a payment for the penalty of sin. Isaiah chapter 63, verses 1 through 6. Read it with me. Who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. God conquers Edom. God conquers every foe, every enemy. This was the enemy of Israel. God conquers your enemies and mine enemies. I who speak in righteousness mighty to save. Why is your apparel red? And your garments like one who has treads the winepress. The winepress. Notice, I have trodden the winepress. And from the peoples no one was with me. For I have trodden them in my anger. Jesus does get angry. Yes. Today is he is our savior. Tomorrow he may be our judge. I have done it, he says, in anger. And he says, their blood is sprinkled upon my garments. For the day of vengeance, listen to this word, the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeem have come. He goes on to say, but I looked, but there was no one to help. And I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me and my own fury. Listen to these words. I know we don't like to hear them. I know we don't like to face them. But if we don't know Jesus Christ, one day we will face them in fear. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me and my own fury. It sustained me. I have trodden down the peoples in my anger, made them drunk in my fury, and brought down their strength in the earth. God Almighty, help us to realize that, yes, today God loves me, and he'll always love me, but there will be a day that we will pay for our sins. Notice your outline under Roman numeral number one. Notice number one. Notice it with me. The picture of Jesus that emerges from these lyrics is not popular with most folks. 
I want to hear a strong amen. Let me read it again. The picture of Jesus that emerges from these lyrics, when you think of this song, is not popular with most folks. Amen. A picture of Jesus, the angry. Of Jesus, the vengeful. Of Jesus, the judge. Jesus, the judge. And he says this in Revelation 14. He says it in Isaiah 63 and 1. And he also says it in Joel chapter 3. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Do we think that America is going to sin from Hollywood to politics to even in the church? Do we think that America is going to continue to sin and not have a penalty and pay for it? We will pay. We will pay. Words like trampling, wrath, lightning, and sword are not friendly words, but they are biblical descriptors of who Jesus is or who he will be. Don't fall in the hands of an angry God, unsaved. Don't do that. The grapes, of course, represents unrepentant sinners. When you see or hear about pressing the grapes in the wine press, this is, is what is going to happen to unrepentant sinners. The treading action rep, uh, represents God's fury. And this represents what will happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ. How many of you know we better be ready? I want to be ready. I want to make sure all of my sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Believe me, I'm not preaching this, saying this to make us afraid. I'm not preaching this or saying this to make us feel low and down and despondent. What I'm saying is to challenge us that you and I will live a righteous life through and by Jesus Christ. And then she says, his terrible swift sword, Deuteronomy 32 and 41, says, if I wet or sharpen, that's what that word means, if I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. People hate Jesus today. People hate Jesus. We were building our house on Talcott Street. It was really a three-story house, but a two-story house. And they were building this uh, framework of this house. And builders, I don't know why, but they play radios most of the time, I found out. They had this radio blasting out. It was a secular uh, station. It was blasting out. All of a sudden, I don't know how it came on. Something about Jesus Christ. Young man at the top of that house scurried down and rushed to that radio and cut it off. People not only, not only want to accept Jesus Christ, they hate him. They hate him. 
Why is there so much hate in the world today? And this psalm tells us his terrible swift sword. Revelation 2.16. The Bible says repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. This ought to make us think. This ought to make us think. With all the great armies and soldiering in the world over the last many years. Nothing is like meeting Jesus Christ and having the sword of his mouth to destroy. I'd rather the word of God, which is, so, which is a sword. I'd rather him take that sword now. And I'd rather pray God cut out everything that's not like you. Remove from, men, from me iniquity. Remove from me the thoughts of sin, the grapes of wrath. The second verse says, I have seen him in the, in the watch fires of a hundred circling camps. They had builded him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. Christ was in the watchfires of the Union military camps, and they were altars of worship erected in his name. That's what she is saying. That's what this song is saying. We better build an altar no matter where it's at. We better find ourselves kneeling at the altar and praying before the Almighty God. The worshipers are fully prepared to carry out the righteous sentence of death prescribed in Revelation for all God's enemy. We are to pray against sin, ungodliness, filth. We're to pray against it in Jesus and stand in this world on behalf of God that wants to destroy sin. Sin put Jesus on the cross. Now we don't like to hear that. But sin put Jesus on the cross. The day of the Lord he's speaking or is speaking about here refers to the day Christ will enact his final vengeance upon the earth. He's coming. Jesus is coming. And for the saint of God, what a reward. What a wonderful experience to be caught away with him. To spend eternity in the very presence of God Almighty. To walk on streets of gold. Experience gates of peril. I mean, he's coming. But for those that don't know him, church, for those that don't know him, what a sad fate it will be. What a sad fate it will be. Notice verse 3. He has sounded forth the trumpet. <laughs> that shall never sound retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before the judgment seat. Oh, be swift my soul to answer him. Be jubilant. My feet, our God, is marching on. The Bible says that a series of trumpet blasts will precede the second 
coming of Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, notice it. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. What a time. What a time that will sober up this world in some ways. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes, all the earth, will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He's coming. Will you be afraid? Will you shake in fear? Or will you lift up your hands and say, Welcome, Jesus. Hallelujah. Welcome, Jesus. And he will send his angels with a great sound of trumpet, God's word. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the end of heavens to the other. What an army. What a host. When he gathers us all together. Black. White. Yeah, Republicans and Democrats, those that are saved. Those that know Jesus Christ. Baptists, Pentecostals, Presbyterian Methodists. Those that are saved. Those that know Jesus. The four corners of the earth. Come on. Come on. I prepared you a place. Put your feet under my table and enjoy the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ. May I end with the last verse. I read this. And I read this, and I read this, and I rejoiced, and I rejoiced, and I rejoiced. Notice what it says, in the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men holy. Let us die or let us live to make men free. While God is marching on. Years ago, a psalm was written. Everything is beautiful. I don't know what you see. I don't know what you see when you look around the world. I don't think I can say that everything is beautiful. But I think it's time for the church to see some good things. God's doing some wonderful things. Everything is beautiful. I want to I I look on things and see beauty. Because God created things, certainly, that are beautiful. Notice these words, uplifting words. Beauty. Lilies. Lilies. Luke tells us that Solomon in all of his array and all of his dress. Can you imagine how this man, the king, in his, in, his, in his castle? Can you imagine how he dressed? Can you imagine how his garments sparkled? Can you imagine the cost of suiting him up and dressing him? Luke says Solomon 
and all of his dress was not arrayed like the lilies. We're talking about lilies. Transformation. Not only was Jesus transformed, transfigured, but you and I are going to be transformed. We're going to be changed. You can be changed right today. He said, Pastor, how can I be changed today? If you're walking in sin, if you're living in darkness, let him transform your life. Let the light of the word of God and the light of the spirit, let it shine forth. It will change your life and there is nothing like it. Transfiguration and then freedom. Freedom. I don't know that I appreciate that word like I should. I don't understand how that America has stayed so free and so blessed. God has provided for us freedom. We can go out of here today and do what we want to. We can do what, live like we want to. Freedom. God has provided and God does provide freedom. But there is no freedom in this world like the freedom that the soul has been set free that was in bondage and sin and heavy. And God set us free. As he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free. Every day of our life, we need to live a life that will help someone else experience the freedom that you and I experience. As he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free. One of these days, there's going to be a trumpet blast. Behold, I tell you, Paul's right into the church at Corinth, a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. <laughs> wow. This old body, I tell you, getting old is not for sissies. <laughs> this old body deteriorates. It gets old. But one day we're going to be changed. One day, hallelujah, there'll be no more sickness. One day, there'll be no more pain, hallelujah. One day, we're going to live forever. Can you say amen? amen? Paul goes over and he writes to the Thessal church at Thessalonica in, in chapter 4. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. He's not going to mumble. Y'all come on now. He's not a defeated savior. He's a savior that is Victorious, can you say, man? 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. Wow. Wow. And with the trumpet of God and the dead, mom, dad, son, daughter, companion, loved one, brother, sister, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we, those living, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up, caught up. I love that. Caught ups. Woo. Well, here we go. You're here today and you're gone. Hallelujah. You're riding in an airplane and you're gone. They look for you in your seat. It's empty. I tell you what, God's people have a lot to rejoice about. Can you say amen? Shall be called up together with them in the clouds. Have you noticed the clouds this week? I don't know whether you're driving out in the clouds. How that they seem just a mushroom. Big, wonderful, lovely and they look soft. It looked like you could just lay down in them and float. They look comforting. And then you look between those clouds and you see that beautiful, beautiful sky. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet who? The Lord. Say it. Meet the Lord. Say it again. Meet the Lord in the air. <laughs> and they thus shall we always be with the Lord. Come on, singers. I've preached it. Now we're going to sing it. <laughs> it helps you know just a little bit more about what Miss Howe meant when she wrote this song. Oh, there have been all kind of writings about her and said that she was a liberal and said that she was this and that and the other. I don't want to listen to all that stuff. I get so tired of, you know, we've, we've reinvented history. Thank, Matt, thank you, Matt, for bringing us true history because we've reinvented it today. Our schools no longer teach true history. You know what they're teaching. You hear it. Let's sing this song. Stay with us. My nights to sing the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the graves are wrapped in stone. He has loosed his faithful light of his terrible sweet sword. His truth is marching. Sing it out. Glory. Hallelujah, His truth is marching on. I have seen Him in the west of a hundred serpent camps, 
they have builded him an ark in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteousness by the dim and flaring lamp. His day is marching. Sing it out. Lift your voice. Sounded forth the trumpet. It'll never sound if Oh, swift my soul to be jubilant my feet. I'm through marching on. Sing it. Yes, he was. Let's live. Sing it. the Lord I believe spoke to my heart today concerning this service I know it's celebrating the 4th of July and all the things that go along with it and it's it's wonderful to be able to do that but God told me that someone was going to be here that was in the need of a major touch in their life and I'm going to ask the prayer warriors and prayer team to come in just a moment I found out something Feelings will mislead you. You say, Brother Don, my feelings are not going in that direction. It doesn't change God. The Bible says ask. It didn't say if you feel like it, ask. If you're struggling with it, ask. It says ask. It says seek. And it says knock. And the Bible also says, lay your hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Brother Don, I don't feel like laying my hands on nobody. It say if you feel like it, lay your hands on them. It didn't say if there was a great minister in the service, if there was a great evangelist in the service. It didn't say if the music was going 90 miles an hour and all of those things. It just say lay your hands on the sick. But Brother Don, I don't feel good myself. Well, I believe there's a scripture in the Bible, the Old Testament, where there was a prophet thrown in a, thrown in a hole. He was dead. 
Another man died. They threw him in the same hole. Guess what? He came back to life. So I'm going to ask our prayer warriors, our prayer team to come up. And if you have a need, I'm going to ask that you come and let them. Listen, how long do I have to pray? did say pray for them a long time. Now, sometimes we have to pray till we pray through. That's an old, old terminology, praying through. But I want some men and some women to come and stand with me here. And I want you to pray. Now, I'm going to challenge you today. I think it's so important that we come to God and ask Him. Ask Him. We have time. I gave, gave us some time. We have time. If you're lost, you need to be saved. Ask Him. Brother, no, that seems so hard. No, it's not. You don't want to experience these things that this song talks about and the Word of God talks about and that's going to happen. You want to know Jesus. If you need healing, come. You say, Brother Don, I've been prayed for 102 times. It doesn't matter how many times you've been prayed for. It didn't say that. It didn't say if you've been prayed for five times that you don't need to go. It's not saying. Listen, we need to have faith in God. We need to believe God. And God's word, is take, it takes precedent over feeling it takes precedent over everything when you stand on God's word. I need some more prayer warriors. Maybe some up here on the platform can go down and help me. Come on. Come as we sing it. Shackle by your head. Come on up. If you have a need, come on up. I need some, I need some men pray war, prayer warriors. I need it. Come along with David, guys. And shame. Lead it,
we're dealing with fear today it doesn't matter where that fear stems from it might be sickness it might be fear for your children or grandchildren or a loved one it might be fear from what's happening at work but God has not given us the spirit of fear Say that with me. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Say it again, Jimmy. One more time, Jimmy. Father, we come against the enemy that would try to put fear on the saints of God. We pray against it. We pray, God, it would be defeated. And God, we ask for healing in this area and victory. May they walk in victory in Jesus' name. Two things. When fear comes to the door or knocks at the door or rings the doorbell, send faith and fear will go away. But I want you to stand. But now, another thing you need to do in order not only to be victorious over fear is learn to pray in the Spirit. You need to pray in the Spirit. We're living in days, if you don't pray in the Spirit and speak in tongue, your tongues, you're shortchanging yourself. That gives you strength. Paul, over and over and over again, spoke of speaking in tongues. It's biblical. It's biblical. You say, but I know so-and-so. I know this church. I know this. It doesn't matter what someone else says. It's what does God say about it. You say, well, listen, read the book of Acts. You can't read through the book of Acts the five times that people prayed before the Lord. The early church prayed in the Spirit. In fact, their prayers were so strong, the place wherein they were praying was shaken. It's time that we shake the foundation of the devil. Pray in the Spirit. Peter was put in prison. He is between two soldiers in stocks and chains. But he was asleep. I got a feeling Peter was sleeping like a baby. 
And the Bible says the church didn't cease to pray for him. Listen, it's time for the church to pray. I'm talking about pray. Get a hold of God. Somebody says, I prayed. But you do. listen, if there's anything we need in prayer, it's to be persistent. Persistent. You say, well, I prayed for it a hundred times. It don't matter how many times. You pray. Believe God. Walk in the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to manifest himself in us. We've had a great day. The old clock on the wall is saying it's 12 o'clock. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your bountiful blessings. Thank you for every family that's represented in this place today. God, keep us in your care. Protect us. Protect us. Protect us. As we leave, give us traveling grace in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen.